I want to talk to you a little bit about something tonight. You know, I, I'm, I'm, the Lord has taken me into this place of um, intimacy, I guess. Um, I think the greatest discovery for my own personal life, if people ask me all the time in the transition of what you've gone through, what's the greatest thing that you've discovered? I, I would still have to say it's the Father heart of God. It's still the most beautiful transition. It's the sweetest transition. And uh, it's not always easy sometimes, but that's okay. That's okay. Sometimes there's areas of your life that the Lord has to touch that need healing. And you go through that process. Um, he didn't put those wounds there, but he loves mending them. He loves healing them. So for quite a while now in my own personal life, I've been caught up in this intentionality of God. That the reality that God is intentional about everything that he does. Because sometimes when you're in uh, a supernatural uh, culture or you're in a church that believes in, in prophetic and, and prophecy and words of knowledge and the gift of wisdom and all these different things and healings and signs and wonders and angelic encounters, sometimes for us it can become about the wrong thing. That, that there is a danger to the supernatural. And it only, the, the reason it becomes that is because somehow our focus gets shifted and we begin to look at those things through the wrong lens. And we begin to think those things are something that they're about, but they're not actually about that. And it's amazing how we've seen a culture evolve uh, throughout the country, probably every country, where we've become so self-focused that it's easy for us to miss the moments and the encounters with God and what they really intended to do for our own lives personally. So part of my, my journey lately has been, God's been really intentional in, in, in telling me, okay, so what did that mean for you when I have encounters? So there was a season in me and my wife's life, we were having all kinds of encounters, angelic encounters. I still have some angelic encounters, but we were having lots of spiritual encounters, personal encounters. And I don't want to get into some of them because you may think I'm a little off, but uh, it's just heavy encounters in the Lord. And now the Lord has, has me back to saying, okay, what, what impact uh, did those encounters have on you? What focus did they create? What transition? How many of you have had promises from God? Let me, let me see your hands. Come on, it's okay. How many of you have had prophetic words? Okay. Now let, let me ask you a question. You don't have to put your hand up. Uh, if I was to come to you and say, hey, that, that promise that you had such and such a date, how has that changed your life? What would you say? And does it still have a lasting impact of its purpose? Because sometimes it, it's sad, and I've been there. I'm not, I'm not preaching at you. I'm talking my own person, you know, my personal experience. I've been where I've been in a church setting for a long time. I've been in ministry for over 30 years. So I have a portion of my life that I've been in a church setting for many, many years, seeing many supernatural things, but not changing one bit. Having encounters that really don't have the effect that I believe the heart of God that he wants or intended them to have in my life. Because we have a transition in our lives or we go through this transition in our life where our focus can be a little off. And, and, and God's not mean. He's not, he's not you know, necessarily rebuking me. He's just pulling me back to a place of what it's really about. And so we've been talking about the intentionality of the Father's heart, and we've been, I just started last week talking about the promises and a little bit about prophecy concerning your life. And uh, the thing you have to understand is God is always full of promise and prophecy concerning you. It's just a part of his nature. He doesn't have to say, you know, I may do a prophetic word. When you hear Jesus speak, everything about him is prophetic. We just miss it. If you look at the Old Testament, we see prophecy constantly being poured out. And, and, and Israel, you know, was missing it all the time. I mean, I mean, we see it. They were in one moment and they were out the next. Right? Get us out of Egypt. They were out of Egypt and they were crying about no water in the wilderness. It was like ASAP. Actually, there was, it was only a month when they crossed the Red Sea and saw that miracle. A month later, they were complaining. One month. Why? Because they totally missed the purpose of the encounter. Let me say it this way. They totally missed the person of the encounter. And so I, I, uh, I'm at a place in my life where I refuse to perform 
I'm not going to perform for you, but I will give you what the Holy Spirit lays upon my heart. One time I'd run pews and do all that stuff. I'm not against any of that. That's your dig, your, your jig. Go ahead and do that jig, whatever that looks like for you. For me now, what I give you is so much more important from the Spirit than what I do for you and, or show you for, for me, okay? So we're going to talk about this, and we must understand the power of promise, understand the power of prophecy, and, and what is their real purpose for us? Because if we don't get it, we can miss divine appointments. And they have this full intended purpose for us in their encounter. And so God is more, right, more intentional right now in this season we are in spiritually than the church has ever, ever been. I mean, we look around the world. If you watch, if you're a news watcher, it's pretty easy to get discouraged and say, okay, what in the world is going on? Because you're missing it. I am more intentional in my invitation right now to do something in my bride so that you will be set apart, right? He said this about Israel. When Egypt was, you know, torturing them and all that stuff was going on, supernatural signs were happening. Here's what he said. I'm going to make sure that there's a, a distinction between those people and these people. And so God's looking to make this distinction about a remnant or a bride that, that when the world looks at us or even, even the church looks at us, maybe even the religious church, I don't know, they're going to look at us and they're going to go, wow, that's the real Jesus. That's what love looks like. That, that's what grace looks like. That's what kindness looks like. And that's the intention of supernatural encounter. That's the intention of prophecy and, and promise. So I, I think one of the greatest underrated verses we start off with is John 10, 27. And this is out of the Amplified Bible. It says, the sheep that are my own hear and are listening. Now, let's be, let's be truthful. Let's all just be raw truthful. We can get so accustomed to knowing what to do that we actually stop listening. We just do. Why? Because this is how prophecy works. This is what our experience tells, promise, tells us promise should look like. Right? So this is what intimacy looks like. What if something broke out in here and all of a sudden your worship doesn't look like anything it looked like before? All of the guys were doing interpretive dance all of a sudden. Would that be okay? Right? Because David did it through the city. And the girls hated him for it. He must have been awesome. <laughs> so the power of what this looks like, our listening, this word our listening is to hear something with thoughtful attention. To be alert, listen to this. To, this word in, in, the, in the Aramaic means to be alert, to catch an expected sound. You know what Abby's doing? Abby's back there with, with your kids and, and the thing she's focusing on with your kids right now is them hearing the voice of God. Not watching the video, not running them through some curriculum. That, but I'm gonna tell you something. If there's anything your kids, the greatest thing that your kids need to learn is to recognize and hear the voice of God. It'll take them farther in life than any religion aspect of what we can give them. And so what God's doing, he's calling in this, the, the church into this intentional place of once again, my sheep are, have not one time listened or every now and then listening, but my sheep are positioned themselves where they're constantly looking and listening for my voice. And I say this all the time. He's talking more than he's ever talked before to me. And I know if it's for me, it's for anybody. We just have to take the time to listen. The anticipation of the voice of God. That's the sound. And I can be honest, I, I tell my wife this all the time. I, I still, in the process that I've gone through with the Lord, I, I still have a little bit of struggle that, that when I feel to do something in service, 
I, I, I sit there and wrestle a little bit because I want to know for sure that it's the voice of God and not because I know how to do that because I was an evangelist one time and I've been in this movement and been a part of this revival, but simply because I know it's you and when you're in it, the transformation in all of our lives is just beyond what you can imagine. So he's calling us into this place. I love it of an anticipation where we get into worship and not just go through the motion where we're crying out and we're saying, I, I love how I've seen you before, but I want to see you totally different. I want to see a part of you. Listen, Moses saw the backside of God. and His description of it was, all I could see was goodness. That's not what the wife sees when she sees my backside. All she sees is don't wear those jeans again. That's what she sees. Think about it for a moment. The many, the many aspects of God, and, and I believe this, I believe there's so much yet that he wants to reveal what he looks like to us. If we could just get to the place where we begin to see everything that he does is about an encounter with him. First, right? First with him. He says this, the sheep that are, are, are my own are listening to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Listening first, hearing the voice of God, that's where, we, that's where we know him. Without it, it's impossible for us to follow him. We, we've upped the, 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 uh, the volume on our prayer here at at Beloved Company because we realize above everything else in our staff, when we pray in here during the day, we realize that the most valuable thing to where God is leading us and what he's placed upon our life is that we are focused on God. We need your voice. Moses said, Lord, if you don't go with us, don't let us take one step. If you don't move, we're not moving. If you don't speak, we're staying still. So he's calling us into this place and he engages in encounters with us to move us into a place of faith, trust, confidence. A discoverer, a dis this beautiful discovery of, of his love for us like we've never seen before. And, and I think for me, you know, just personally, I, I think it's, it's almost embarrassing to, to be able to say, you know, I've been, I've been in this thing, say, the last five years, I've not grown anything as far as the intimacy part of God. But I've had encounters. But I've seen things happen. Oh, it was so exciting. You should have been there. So-and-so got healed. This happened to so-and-so. So-and-so got delivered. This person got saved. That That's all great. But what is the impact that's having on me? So Jesus and other people in the Bible gave us the greatest response that we can give. I want you to hear this. This is Luke twenty-two forty-two, and this is Jesus saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. And this is what he said. This is the response we should all have. Yet not my will, but always your will be done. Listen to Mary. This is Luke one thirty-eight. Then Mary said, behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. And she makes this statement. Watch this. Let it be done according to me to what you have said. Now listen, this is really interesting. Because as soon as she said that, the Bible says, and the angel left her. And I said, well, Lord, there must have been something that, that gave the angel approval that he didn't have to stick around and say, I need to convince her some more because she's not getting it. The moment that Mary came in agreement with the word that God had gave her, he didn't give her the full journey, but he was able to say, I, I, I can just release this to her now. Why? Because she is convinced that the word of God is enough. The voice of God is enough. I think about all these stories. Imagine somebody you've never met before coming up to you in the middle of the day and saying, follow me. And you've never met them before in your life. You've never seen any. You've ne Jesus had not, he didn't do any tricks for them. You know, he didn't wave his hands and have seven fingers on this hand and wave this, you know, none of that. There was no throwing a staff down, turn it. I mean, we're talking about New Testament encounters. 
He just came up and said, follow me. And guess what? They followed him. Something happened in their lens and their focus and what they, were, what they were listening to. They felt something that was so different that it just compelled them. When the words come out of his mouth, follow me, it was enough. I think we underestimate the voice of God. And we put all our stock in what we see, not what we hear. I love seeing. Now, listen, I am no way preaching against supernatural. We are a supernatural church. But if you were to ask me what B loves about, here's what I would tell you. We're a, a presence-driven church first. That's our heart. We are present-focused. How important is focus? The Bible says there'll be a generation that will come that will say, show me a sign and I'll believe. We can create our own image of what he looks like and miss the true image of who he is. Right? I, I love this. In, in, in Matthew 16, 13 to 15, this is the Passion Translation. Said when Jesus came to uh, Philippi, he asked his disciples the question, What are the people saying about me? What a, what a great question. What are people saying about me, the Son of Man? Watch this statement. Who do they believe? I want you to catch this. This is an Old Testament reference. Who do they believe I am? The, the, listen, the first, the greatest revelation that you can get. Is, is, is not your gift. The greatest revelation you can get is the revelation of I am. Moses said, who do I tell them sent me? Tell them I am has sent you. What are the people saying about me? They answered, he asked the disciples, what do you guys feel about it? He said, well, some people like, you know, maybe, maybe we're thinking, you know, some think you're Elijah, some think you're John the baptizer, or some think you're Jeremiah, some think you're one of the prophets. And then Jesus really pinpoints them and he says, but you, who do you say that I am? And we know the story, the spirit came on Peter, right? You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Who do you say that I am? So let's talk about, I, I want to talk, I talked about promise last week. I, I just want to take a little bit of time and talk about prophecy to you because I absolutely love prophecy. Anybody in with me? Four of us. Four of us love prophecy. So pro, proper focus is really important because um, they're the steps that we take into greater intimacy with the Father. Our whole journey is actually relational. It's relational. The reason for that is because God always wants to build trust, expectation, intimacy. He wants to grow our faith. He wants obedience. He, he, he wants us to experience what it means to give. And I, if you weren't here, I, I'd just be honest with you. I think we're asking for stuff we already have. We just don't know how to tap into it. I just did a series on faith. You've already got enough faith. Bible says every man's been given a measure of faith, two, two pounds of seed, mustard seed. Every time you plant it, you, your faith grows. But we sit around asking for the stuff that, that we don't think we have, that we actually have. So when God gives us a promise or a prophecy, here's what he's saying. Everything that I am is in that. But if you focus on the wrong thing, you can miss the person that's in that, and you only see the stuff. You see the what of the prophecy. You see the what of the promise, and you miss the who. So God's pulling us back to this who relationship, who it's about, where he's wanting to say to you, I am. I'm that. I am. Whatever that is, I am for you. I, I am that person for you. If you go back to Exodus chapter 3 and 14, the Amplified says it this way. I love it. And God said to Moses, I am who I am and what I am. What comes first? 
the who or the what. I am who I am and what I am. And I will be that. I will be. I, I just love the way it's translated. And he said, you shall say to the Israelites, simply, I am has sent me to you. And so I think there's a restoration right now of the I am of who he is for our lives. You know, you can't truly love unless you truly experience love. Right? Do you ever talk to somebody that's dating and they want your counsel, but you can tell by their talk they're not in love? You know, it's getting pretty serious, Pastor. You know? Starting to call me too much, though. When you're in love, you don't care how much time they call you. Now she's wanting, she's not wanting me to fish anymore. It's getting scary. Pray for me. Trying to have discernment. Listen, when, when you're in love, you're in love. Right? When I met Darlene, I called her just to say, what are you doing? Then I called her again just to say, what are you doing? Then I called her again just to say, what are you doing? And she'd say the same thing I was doing five minutes ago when you called. You, you have no track of what that looks like because you're just actually all in. And so he's pulling us back to this place of intimacy. And when he gives you his word, listen to this. When he gives you his voice, he's actually giving you everything he is. Let me say it again because you got to get it. When he's given you signs and wonders, he's given you a part of what he is. When he gives you his voice, he's given you everything he is. What's the number one result of a bad covenant or marriage when people stop communicating? Right? We've counseled lots. But when, when couples are not able to communicate in the place of intimacy, all of a sudden, everything else begins to slowly get affected from that. And somehow, we think that our relationship with the awesome covenant that we have with God is that we can go on this journey and just have a God of visitation. Just have a God that if I, if I just hear his voice once in a while, that's enough. That's not true intimacy. True intimacy is those who belong to me are listening. If the person you're in covenant with is not listening, there's nothing more frustrating than someone not listening. Why? Because what you're trying to express to them that's in your nature and character, they can never receive. And you can buy them chocolates and you can bring flowers and you can do all that stuff. My suggestion is chocolates. All that stuff. Right? And it doesn't even touch you sitting down and looking them in their eye and saying, do you know how much I love you? Do you know how thankful that I am that God has placed you in my life? Why? Because there's something about the voice. It's creative. It has a creative ability. Right? Life and death is in the power of the... And you've heard me preach on this. It, it, it's not a one word you say. The word tongue there in the Hebrew is translated a language you've actually developed. It's the process of a continual overflow. And God gave us all these scriptures about the tongue. Whatsoever comes out of your mouth is in your heart. God gave us all these things as an expression of how his voice is to us. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when God is speaking to us, listen to this, he's speaking to us out of the abundance of his heart. 
when he's given us a word, when he's given us a promise, when he's, it, it's great that, that the promise is, is there for you in that moment and the pro- prophecy is there for you in the moment. But when he gives you those things, what he's wanting to you to see is I'm literally giving you something right now from all that I am, the core of my heart. And it's so beautiful. I don't, I don't understand, I, I tell the Lord all the time, I don't understand like why I would even want to risk not listening. Because if you're telling me out of the abundance of my heart, I speak, then you're telling me there's a place out of the abundance of your heart that you want to speak to me. He doesn't tell us anything that he's not done. He doesn't ask us to do anything he's not done. He doesn't put us in those places. He, he, he understands that relationship comes with the voice of God. Listen to Luke, uh, Luke uh, 6.45, the Passion Translation. It says, for the overflow of what has been stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit and will be heard by your words. Now think about this in light of God's end. Here's what he's saying. My voice to you, when you hear it, is from my heart. And automatically when you're listening, it begins the process of producing fruit. That's why he's, that's why he's good and kind. That's why prophecy is not, you know, picking out the junk. It's focused on the gold. So two statements the Lord made to me probably several months ago, about six months ago. He said to me, do you want a part-time God or a full-time father? Do you want an emergency God or an ever-present father? Right? Some of us have an emergency God. We, we only talk to him when stuff's going bad. God, I'm in a real pickle right now. You got to get me out of this pickle. I know I haven't, you haven't heard my voice for a while and my prayers have been kind of shallow and my, 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 you know, my emotional connection to you has been a little off, but right now I just need you. I've had an emergency God for years. When I have a need, he's there. See, we misunderstand and we forget that prayer is simply an expression of relationship. That's all prayer is, an expression of relationship. Listen to this. And it's always in God's nature to answer. God never doesn't answer. And sometimes it's not his voice. Sometimes it's a prophetic voice. Sometimes it's a word of knowledge voice. Sometimes it's prophecy. Sometimes it's exhortation. So when God gives you prophecy, he's actually releasing you into how he sees you in your identity. He's saying, this is how I see you. And if I see you this way, this is who you are. That's what makes prophecy so powerful. And that's why the Bible tells us above all that you seek, above all the gifts in 1 Corinthians 14, seek to prophesy. Because there's something about intimate voice connection. Don't you love it when you see yourself one, one way and God shows up and say, that's not you. This is how I see you. Now, let's be honest. It, it's sad. Uh, there's very, very few churches. If you look at all the, the churches in America, there are actually very few churches right now that are embracing prophecy. And yet Jesus said, I wish that y'all would prophesy. If you're going to seek anything of the gifts, seek to prophesy. You should be practicing this stuff on your kids. You should be practicing this stuff on your, on your spouse, you, you, uh, your grandkids. Every time you get them, you need to be speaking. Father, I need to hear your voice. I need to be speaking the voice of God over those around me. Why? Because they need to have that encounter. I can't live without the voice of God. I I can't do the journey without the voice of God. 
So 1 Corinthians 14 talks about prophecy. A couple of verses. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may. You got it. You're right in there. What's the foundation of all giftings? Pursue what? What? You know, love requires some level of communication. Even if you can't speak, you speak with your hands. Pursue love. I, I've been, I've been on, on a journey where I pursue numbers. I, I get my value. I used to get my value from how big my church was and, and what it looked like and, 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 and how big the finances were and, and how I was doing. And, and, my, and, and the Lord said, you're pursuing the wrong thing. Pursue love. Pursue love. I'm watching you. I just want you to know right now. And I see you putting the mint in your mouth. Are you teasing me with bubble gum? Is that what you're doing during the message? Okay, I just want you to know I got my eye on you. 1 Corinthians 14, 24, 25 says this. But if everyone is prophesying and an unbeliever or one without the gift enters your meeting, he will be convicted by all that he hears and will be called to account for the intimate secrets of his heart will be brought to light. Listen, I know that, that, I'll explain that in a moment. He will be mystified and fall face down in worship and say, what will he say? God is truly among us. You know what we say? What a prophet. Come on. What a gift. Now, this word, don't freak out, because prophecy, when he talks about the intimate secrets of his heart brought to light, that, that can confuse us, because we think prophecy is me calling your dirt out. It'd be like me going to Joe and say, Joe, I seen you the other day. Yeah, you were in front of this store. You weren't looking at the right stuff, Joe. Now, that's not Joe, by the way. I'm using Joe. I can use Joe, because he's my brother. And Joe, I, I just saw you, and you were, you were just... You were buying the right, the wrong magazines. That's not prophecy. It's always the opposite spirit. So, Joe, the Lord's given me a word for you. He wants you to know that he loves you. And you can find your fulfillment in him. And he's pulling you into this place of intimacy so that you can understand that you can have an expression of your life. And God wants you to move into a place in your marriage that's so fulfilling that nothing else will even compare to it. Big difference. Right? So we, scare, we read some of this stuff and we want to put permission. Sometimes, you know, and I, I tell you, I'll be honest with you, I grew up with a terrible experience with prophets. Prophets I grew up with in church, for one thing, they were not never happy when they gave a prophetic word. It was always, thus say the Lord. Lightning's coming. Get ready. You got sin in your life, you'll be fried before the service is over. And I, I, you'll leave early. <laughs> you, you ever had those prophecies that where somebody gets up and gives a prophetic word and they're so angry? And here's what they're doing. Listen, they're actually portraying a voice of God to you that is totally contrary to his nature. I was... My relationship growing up in a very legalistic church was based on fear, not love. Fear, pure fear. Listen to verse 31. But you can all prophesy. Who can prophesy? Wow. We're going to have fun with this message. I'm just messing with you. Don't get nervous. For you can all prophesy in turn and in an environment. Listen to this. And in an environment where all present can be instructed, encouraged, and strengthened. Listen to this. Here's what he's saying. I want you to see what he's saying here. He said, we can get into a moment in an environment like this, and we can all prophesy over one another. Y'all look at me pretty strong right now. Everybody, kids. 
We can create an environment where prophecy becomes such an empowering thing, even in our worship, where I'm in the midst of the worship, and I can go over and say to him, I have a word from the Lord for you. And he can come over and say to me, the Lord has, has spoken to me something that's on his heart for you. But we set it aside as a special moment. How, how many of y'all move in the gift of prophecy? Don't be shy. I'm not going to call you out. It's all right. Only four of us? Come on. How many of y'all move in the gift of prophecy? All right. Put your hands up. That's probably close to half. That half should be inspiring the other half to want the gift of prophecy because it's so beautiful and it's actually the voice of God saying, this is how I see you. This is my desire for you. And this is what I want you to understand about me and my heart towards you. You see, when we understand the who of what we're doing, we understand that prophecy is not just about me giving you a word. Prophecy is about me displaying the heart of the Father. How many prophecies have you had in the last year or two? Do you write them down? Do you declare them? Do you voice them? That become a part of your, your normal, you know, protocol? When God shows up and prophesies to you his heart? I'm just saying sometimes we just get what we see as the prize of gifts is not the prize. I, I've been there. I'm not, I'm not preaching at you. Christianity is not supposed to be difficult. Let me say it again because some of y'all need to hear it. Christianity is not supposed to be difficult. God didn't say, I love you, so I'm going to call you into something that's going to make you miserable. And it's really, really hard. And you're probably not going to make it. But I love you. That, that's just not who he is. The first place is discover who Jesus is in you. And then you discover the gift of Jesus in you and what that means for you. But sometimes we want to miss one part and just go after the gifts. Go after the benefits. I thought about this the other day. Don't dwell on it too much because it'll mess you up. The Lord said to me, he said, can you imagine that I am now occupying your space? Let me say it again. God is occupying your whole space. Not part of him, all of him. Let me say it one more time. God is not, listen, he is, he is occupying your whole house. So why can't you hear him? I hear everything else that's in there. I hear my belly when it eats something wrong. My wife hears it. And I hear noises from my wife that I, sometimes I think I may have to go into deliverance, but it's all good. <laughs> so we, we actually occupy God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the fullness of who he is, occupies our space. What would make you think he doesn't want you to experience what the fullness of that looks like? What's the best way to do it? To hear his voice. Everything God does is actually an invitation to engage with the king first and then the kingdom. It's always the king and domain. It's never domain and king. The favor lies in the relationship that you have with the king. So where there's presence, listen to this, where there's presence, there's always promise and prophecy. Just the way it works. You can have something different than that where there's no presence. But where there's presence, there is always prophecy. 
And so God is always extending us, he's extending us his invitation into every encounter we have, but the invitation is not to what he wants to do, it's to who he is. And when we discover that presence, he manifests that. See, prophecy is meant to be the beginning of proclamation. I thought about this this week. When you're praying to God for answers, questions, something, and you get a word, stop praying and start proclaiming. You don't have to pray for that word anymore. You got it. You should be saying, me and Jesus got this because he told me yesterday. Somebody gave me a word. We, we got this. God gave me a promise. Hey, we got this. God gave me a prophecy. We got this. I'm not asking anymore. I proclaim I'm walking this out. I'm doing this journey. And proclamation is when you move into an official, formal, public announcement. It'd be like, it'd be like Crystal coming up to me saying, I've, I've been going through this and going through that, and the Lord gives me a prophecy for Crystal. She doesn't say, thank you. Then I run to after service and say, how you doing? I'm just praying. For what? I just gave you God's heart. Now she needs to move, and this is who you say I am. This is who you say you are to me. And this is how you see my situation. Right? We get led out by the supernatural and powerful signs and wonders. I mean, I can't even start to go through all the stuff that happened to Israel, and we still end up whining about where we are. We start crying for things of the past. That's what Israel did. Oh, I wish we had the garlic and the leeks and the beans. You know, if you read the story, all the food that Israel cried for from their past in the Hebrew language is really called stinky food. It's garlic, it's onions, it's leeks. They're never, ever able to move past that because that's their focus. Bread from heaven, totally missed the whole revelation. Rock, water from a flint rock, totally missed God saying, I got this. Quail, I'm all in on quail. You, you bring quail in, we're grilling quail for months. Everything that God did was, I got this. I got this. It was the voice of God, I got this. I'm going to tell you, why, why are you so nervous? Why are you whining? I got this. I've given you a prophet. He's given you my voice. I got this. Well, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. That's not faith. Faith is just simply yes and amen to all the promises of God and all the prophecies of God. So he has this work he's trying to do, a proclamation. I'm proclaiming who he is. All of a sudden, now my stance in my situation changes. Why? I got a response from God. I heard the voice of God. And sometimes I think we underestimate how powerful a word from God is. Right? Oh, we see how powerful when, when you, you know, somebody's legs messed up and that, that gets, we see that. We're like, oh, that's, that's powerful. Right? Blind eyes. Me and Darlene seen all kinds of miracles when we go up home and, and menace in Brian's church. He always does these. I don't know why. I don't claim to be a healing guy. Every time I go to Canterbury, he wants me to do healing revivals and services. I don't get it. But anyway, God shows up and he does stuff. And you can look at all that stuff and go, that's amazing. Oh my gosh, that is that's awesome. God opened her eyes. God did this. God healed that. That lump's gone. This is growing. We see all this stuff. But we got to get back to the place where what's the most important aspect of God? So listen, Isaiah 55 and 11, power of the word. So also will be the word that I speak. It does not return to me unfulfilled. My word performs my purpose and it fulfills the mission. I send it out to accomplish. The word accomplish means to appoint, to bestow, to commit, I love, this, I love this Hebrew translation of this word accomplish. It means to have a charge of. Here's what this means. Watch this. 
You get a word. Noah gets a word from God. As soon as he gets, he goes, charge. Let me say it over here. (laughs) Joe gets a word or Bert gets a word. And as soon as you get the word, it's no longer you staying where you are, but it gives you the charge. It's a proclamation. Let's do it. It's a spirit that Joshua and Caleb had on them. Sometimes prophecy and promises challenge us to see where our heart position is. They challenge us. Here's another. I want to give you this, the Amplified. Beautiful. Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return void. Without producing an effect, it will never be useless. But it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Now, there's no place in here where God says it's coming by sign. He says it's coming by a word. The simple word. Because prophecy is meant to create our anticipation and expectation. Listen to this. A presence. That's its sole purpose. Presence, prophecy, prophecy, presence. Promise, presence, promise, promise, presence. What do you mean, Pastor? So you start off with presence, you have a promise. Where does promise lead you? Back to the power of presence. So you discover presence, and that presence becomes a prophetic word. Where does the prophetic lead you? It's supposed to lead you back into presence. And all the stuff in between that happens, the miraculous, the supernatural, the encounter, the manifestation of the word still leads you. That's great and cool and awesome, but it's still meant to lead you back to presence, a deeper place of presence. But we keep praying, 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 and we don't proclaim but we now start to say, hey, it's me and Jesus. I got this revelation. So God's calling the bride back into a place of proper focus. It's not that he's mad at us. He's not mean. He's nothing. He's just saying, hey, in order for the church to be what it needs with what's coming, there's going to have to be a shift of focus. Let me say this to you in a kind way. Um, if we don't get the heart of God correct, I mean, we'll never get it fully correct, but if we don't start zoning in the heart of God correctly, we'll never be able to be what this generation that's coming needs to experience the Father heart of God. Because let me tell you this, signs and wonders in themselves will not do it. Look at Israel in the wilderness. If If I'm an Israelite, and I'm at the line of the promised land of Canaan in 14 days, and another brother talked me out not to go on a cross, probably on the 39th year in the desert, I'd be slapping him around pretty hard. Even after all the signs. We have to begin to realize the prize is not what, the prize is who. Let me close with the scripture. Deuteronomy 6, 10, 12. Are you Okay. Let me read this scripture for you in Deuteronomy 6, 10 to 12. And this is, this is how we can get the wrong focus. Wrong focus. When the Lord your God has brought you into the land that he swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you a land with fine, large cities that you did not build. Oh, yeah. How many of y'all know that's good? A city you didn't build that's yours, that's pretty good right? Houses filled with all sorts of goods that you did not fill. Basically, you've just entered into a turnkey house. No need with anything else. Hewn cisterns that you did not hew. I love it because there's nothing worse than digging places that you have to have drink. You know, the old timers before us, way before me, I'm an old timer, but I'm not way, way, you know, way back I mean, the first thing that they focused on when they bought property was, was there a spring or a well? Now we turn the tap on. 
vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. He said, there's not going to be any striving whatsoever. Hello. That's what I'm talking about. No striving. And when you have eaten your fill, yummy, take care that you do not forget the Lord. Take care of what? Don't become complacent in your relationship. Don't get focused into a self-satisfaction lens. I've seen it all my life. I've seen people have their, their socks knocked off financially, physically, spiritually, mentally, and somehow get off track and make it about that and not him. You really need to understand that everything you have is from God. Anything good in your life. But we can wander from that where our focus becomes stuff. Let me read this out of the message, and I think it's probably what he put up there. When God, your God, ushers you into a land that he promised through your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, you're going to walk in large, bustling, that means fully active cities that you didn't build. They're, it's going to be happening in cities. Well-furnished houses you didn't buy. Turnkey operations. Come upon wells you didn't dig. Vineyards and olive gardens you didn't plant. And when you take it all in and settle down, play, pleased and content, make sure that you don't forget how you got there. That's why God says, enjoy the moments of small beginnings because they're intimate, they're community, they're relational. This is the purpose of prophecy promise, personal experience with the Father. He said, worship, serve and worship me exclusive. That word exclusive means in a way that is limited to a single. Exclusive. Not, I, I had a, boy, if it wouldn't have been for my part, God would never have been able to do this. I'm, I, listen, you get invited in. You get an invitation to, to partner with God, but don't ever think you had the big part. Some stuff's common sense. So I, I gave Doug a prophetic word tonight. I said, Doug, the Lord showed me you were sitting in a room Money and gold and silver was falling from the season. Doug's going to do a jig. And I'm going to say, and, and the wealth that God's releasing into your heart for the kingdom is absolutely beyond your wildest dreams. So Doug starts declaring, this is coming. That's coming. This is coming. What's Doug's part? It's actually scriptural. Doug don't need a revelation. For whatever a man sows, If I gave you, you a word and said, hey, God's going to just pour peace out on like you've never seen before. It's going to be a manifestation of peace that when you're in your times with God, it's going to be something that you've never felt. All the things that you've worried about before are going to be just gone. What's your part? Carry peace to somebody. Clean a woman's home who can't clean it. Bring her peace over the issues that are stressful in her life. Maybe meet somebody else's need financially, a bill they can't. I don't know what it is. Our part is simple. Our part is just simply obedience to the truth we already know. And God says, watch what I'll do with that seed. We are so seed-driven. So seed-driven. He says, make sure you don't forget how you got there. Watch this. God brought you out of slavery into Egypt deeply respect him. And he makes this statement, your God. You know why he says your God? The whole thing was relational. The whole journey, the cities, the homes, the vineyard, the wells. Everything was personal. Serve and worship your God exclusively. Listen to this last statement. Back up your promises with his name only. Listen, here's what he's saying. The testimony is not even about you. 
Oh, I, I did this, this, and this, and God did this. Yeah, great, but it's all about God. When you get to the purpose that God has or purposes that God has in your life, you've got to be very careful that you don't look back and say, I kind of did that. It's like taking your money to an investor and him investing it and you taking the credit for all the money you've made. Doesn't even make sense. God can give you a step. Sometimes a step's simple. Hey, buy that lady's groceries. Hey, give that man your Rolex. I'm sorry, I can't get off that. I'm stuck on that one. I'm messing with a couple of guys I love here. See, James had this revelation, and we miss it. James 1 and 17. Every gift God freely gives us is good and perfect, streaming down from the Father of lights, who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or darkness and is never subject to change. This is his nature. This is who he is for us. Let me, let me, let me give you, this is the baseline for all prophecy and promise. If you want to mark a scripture in your Bible, this is the baseline scripture for all prophecy and promise. Here it is. You ready? It's the latter part of Hebrews 13 and 15. For he, God himself, has said, I will not any, in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support. I love this translation. Now watch this. In the original text, in the Aramaic, it says, I will not, I will not, I will not. Now let me just say this because most of you know this, but the significance of anything repeated three times is what the Jewish people use to describe something. They don't have to put words to it. So they, they don't say, oh, God was so awesome. They say he's holy, holy, holy. And here's the writer, James, explaining this. Watch. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake you nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. You know what intimacy does? It leaves you in this place. It leaves you in this confident place where you know who God is for you. Go ahead and stand. Are you okay? Good. This is where the fun begins. I wanted to leave you with something here I thought was pretty powerful. The Lord spoke it to me. I thought it was just absolutely amazing. So, I was thinking today, the greatest challenge that we face in all that we are, and you'll see it, you'll see it in, you'll see it with Eve, you'll see it all through the Bible. You'll even see it with Jesus, the first temptation in the world, in, in the wilderness, is the statement that the enemy makes that says, hath God said That's what he said to Eve. Hath God said? No need of the tree? And Eve even answered right. Yeah, God had said. He said to Jesus in the wilderness, if you are, all through the word, you see it. Hath God said? Hath God said? Hath God said? Hath God said? It's repetitious. Why? Because the greatest thing that the enemy can rob you of is the voice of God. When you accept any voice to replace that voice, it actually starts to mess with your identity in him. And I'm going to confess something to you. And don't look down on me because it, when I was a kid, had a younger sister. And I used to take her dolls and pull the arms and legs off and put them back on in the wrong hole. And so she'd be walking across the living room, holding on to a foot, thinking she had the hand. She had no idea, listen, had no idea that that was the correct or incorrect design. When we get distracted and our focus gets off on God, what happens is we begin to step ourselves out of the divine design of God. 
And one of the prophetic words the Lord gave me this year for, for us is he said this. He said, you are going to be defined by my design. We can't do that without the voice of God. And this is not a boast. I'm just being honest. I hear his voice all the time. Not because this is what I do for a living. It's, it's not for the special gift. It's not for the call. It's not for the person that's fasted 40 days every twice a year. It's not for the voice of God is a loving father's voice for his sons and daughters of God. My question is, what has he been telling you lately? What's he speaking to you? What's he been telling you? Are you listening? Are you, are you hearing? No, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just being honest. Like God's trying to call us up. It's always up. He never calls us down. He never shames us. He never embarrasses us. In his love and his kindness, he's always calling us up. It's the voice of God. It's so beautiful. And he is speaking so loud. And my prayer, private prayer over this church, is that you hear his voice above everything and anything you could absolutely hear. Why? It's life transformation. When you hear his heart, it positions your heart in a different place. And what you think matters all of a sudden doesn't matter anymore. All that matters is him. Right? I, I'll be honest with you, it, this may offend you. I care less about large buildings and thousands of people as far as just to have numbers. Where two or three are gathered and are hearing the voice of God, it's beyond you what, what could happen, right? Praying hides prayers, change the world. John Knox prayers. The Queen of England feared John Knox's prayers because she knew he heard the voice of God. We can change the world just simply by hearing the voice of God. And I can go out and produce signs and pray for the sick in the mall and do all that stuff and God can do things, but I better make sure that I'm using that gift to promote the gift giver, not promote Jamie Chan. Some of us need a fresh voice just for some of the stuff in our lives. I've been asking God for a fresh voice on where I've gotten off focus. God, help me adjust. Speak into my lens and help my lens be adjusted to who you are. We're going to do something different. Brad, I'm going to have to come to the piano though. Sorry, brother. I love you. Come on up. Come on down. Braden's awesome, isn't he? He's so anointed. No, I'm going to get you guys to move this if you don't mind. We have all kinds of things. Sometimes we just close service out and we have people come up and pray for you. And last week we did something really different. We, we had people come up and we had our leaders and some of our people prophesy promise over your life. Prophesy promise of God. But I'm going to do something different. I'm going to get Braden. If you've got to go, hey, that's cool. No shame. Go. you got to go. Got to go. 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 It's no, it's no big deal. Don't feel bad. But what I really feel in my spirit is that God wants to ignite a fresh, a fresh voice to you. Now listen to me. Some of us have been looking for the voice of God in somebody else. And that's great. It encourages you. But personal encounter, right? It'd be like me saying to Doug, hey, Doug, could you go tell Darlene that I really like her? And that I'm interested in her. And if she plays her cards right, I'll take her home tonight. 
So Doug goes over and says, hey, Darlene. I'm using Doug's southern voice now. Hey, Darlene. That guy over there, he said, if you play your cards right, you'll go home with him tonight. That's like dependent on somebody else for the voice of God in your life. And I really feel like he wants to ignite his voice in your life fresh tonight. So we're just going to gather. We're just going to gather. Some of you have some distinctive stuff that I hear the Spirit saying. You're going to say to God, I need to hear your voice in this. And God's going, he's going to say to you, I've been waiting for you to say that. I've been waiting to talk to you. I've been craving. I've been craving because because you're so, you mean so much to me. It's far beyond you could ever imagine. He is so attracted to us. It's so amazing. So I'm gonna ask you, just come on, just, just come around the altar. Just find a place where, sit in your seat, just lift your hands, do whatever it is, however it is you worship. And just clear your mind, just clear your mind about time, about but anything else. Just, just, just find a place and just say, Father, I'm, I'm opening my heart, my ears up afresh tonight. I, I want to hear you like I've never heard before. So no, we're not going to close it out. If you have to leave, listen, it's totally fine. I get it. It's all right. There's no shame, guilt, or anything like that. Come for five minutes, leave, come for an hour. It doesn't matter. Just open your ear gate. So, Father, I bless your people tonight. And I just speak over them. If there's anything blocking their spiritual ear gate tonight, Father, I just remove that in the name of Jesus. And I speak life and freshness into them. Fresh voice. Let them hear you like they've never heard you before, Father, with such waves of love in your voice and your goodness and your kindness. Speak. Just speak fresh.